KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Coronavirus Pandemic from KYW In-Depth. I'm Carol McKenzie. This pandemic is pushing our healthcare system to the brink. And from the start, we have heard how hospital workers, the doctors, the nurses, the therapists on the front lines of this fight don't have the personal protective gear they need. The problem is demand has skyrocketed while supply has been sharply reduced in part because factories in China that made them were shut down to stop the spread there. This is where Medical Students for Masks comes in. This is a group of volunteer medical students, and they're trying to fill some of the gaps in PPE supplies. Gabby Yankalevich and Judy Lubis are two of the women in charge of this mission. They're joining us here on In-Depth to talk about what they're doing and why and the challenges of their mission. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, how this group came about, why you decided to start this? Sure. Just to give some backstory. So about three weeks ago, we were actually pulled from rotations. Basically, there weren't enough supplies in the hospital, um, and they wanted to kind of reduce the spread um, of the virus. So they decided that it would be best if students resumed their their training online. So we were kind of switched to an online version of our rotations. But I had a lot of friends who were uh, working in the ED. Um, I had a friend who was a PA in an ICU. And they were, you know, expressing concerns to me regarding lack of PPEs in their hospital. And they work at separate hospitals as well. So I knew that there was definitely a need for more PPE. And I I just began reaching out to various distributors. Um, And fortunately, um, our landlord actually um, had a contact um, and was able to get us our first 400 masks. The problem was they were a thousand dollars, you know, for the masks. So we needed kind of a way to to quickly fundraise that. So I'd reached out to to Gabby, and she was quick to help with that. And we were actually able to just by putting on Facebook raise a thousand dollars within the hour to pay for those masks, and we were able to distribute them out to ten different hospitals. And then Gabby and our colleague Brianna Creason, kind of while we were distributing them kind of behind the scenes. We're working on locating more, more masks for our providers. How yeah. Gabby can, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Gabby. Yeah. So I'm working with two different distributors. One is located in uh, Jersey and the other one is located in Chicago. It's the same one that uh, my roommate who is spearheading the Chicago fundraiser, very similar fundraiser uh, to someone that they're using. So we've been able to secure at this point over 7,000 masks and we've made over 38K in you know, less than a week and a half. And we've been extremely fortunate. Uh, we've had a lot of support from all the different hospitals that we're working with. So we're working with over 25 hospitals. We're also working with a few home health care companies, uh, Narberth Paramedics. We're just basically trying to give everyone who needs PPE on the front lines tools that they need. Um, we're also starting a collaboration with Tandime Health, who is a primary care company um, that obviously at this point, all of the primary care offices are closed. So a lot of the doctors and nurses have been doing home visits. So we're trying to help get them pulse oximeters and thermometers because fortunately, the you know when you have 50 plus medical nursing law students on your team, we're pretty 
uh, pretty motivated and extremely passionate. So we're able to get a lot of things done more quickly than, you know, staffs that are staff that have, you know, three to four people in a hospital are able to do. So we've been extremely fortunate. We've had a lot of success so far and we're really, really humbled and honored and honestly inspired by the community, uh, the community's response to all of this. How are you able to get your hands on masks and such when when hospitals are are facing a a shortage and say we hear over and over again that they can't find this stuff? They can't get enough. (laughs) Yeah. So we've had this question a lot. A couple ways to answer this question. So number one, just speaking on Philadelphia, Philadelphia hospitals have been extremely in debt. I think Hahnemann closing is a perfect example of that. We were in debt much before the coronavirus, and that's kind of, you know, the first answer. Number two is their hospital administration, you know, don't have the numbers that we have. So where we're able to make this kind of our full-time job, since all of our rotations and classes are online now, uh, we're able, I mean, I I can speak for Judy and myself. We've been doing this basically 24-7 since we started this a week and a half ago. This is basically our full-time job in addition to rotations. Um, and the third thing is that we're just, uh, because we have such a wide network of students from, you know, talking to students with Chicago and talking to students in New York and a bunch of other things that we've been helping, we're able to just create this big network that, um, we're able to get it more quickly. Additionally, um, I think that like people don't realize that the shortage has been going on for a lot longer than just this month. So, um, a lot of our supplies are, are, uh, shipped from China. And even three months ago, when I was on my OB guide and my psychiatry rotations, I like to go into the OR since that's what I'm going to do. And there was a mass shortage even three, four months ago. So I think a lot of people, I think it's being publicized a lot right now, because obviously, since the coronavirus is here, and it's rapidly rising, that the problem is more apparent. But this is definitely an issue that we've had for several months, and hospitals have been struggling to do it. Um, and ultimately, we just want to support the hospitals and if we're able to help get masks quickly and efficiently and we're able to distribute it efficiently, then, you know, we're kind of doing our part and, you know, we'll, Judy and I will be doctors in a, less than a year and a half, which is amazing, but terrifying. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we, you know, we would hope that when we're doctors that medical students would be passionate enough to do this for us. And we're happy to do it for the doctors that are, you know, risking their lives every day and all the healthcare workers that are risking their lives every single day to save a bunch of lives. So it's amazing. Doesn't have either of you second second guessing your chosen profession? Not at all, actually. I think if anything, the opposite. I think being in contact with, you know, so many doctors and so many nurses who, you know, have kind of become a part of this initiative and are the ones receiving the mass and just hearing their stories and, you know, their their actions during this kind of unprecedented time. You know, if anything, it just makes me so proud to be kind of joining those ranks in a year and a half. Um, and it just makes me proud of my colleagues and not only just the doctors and nurses, but, you know, we've had the opportunity to work with respiratory therapists who are managing the ventilators right now, you know, speech therapists, occupational therapists. My mom is in, you know, food service management and home health and has been, you know, continuing to make meals for her residents. And, and now they're, they're, those meals are going out to their homes. It's just been, you know, amazing. And I think I just, I, I can't speak for my, I, I'm sure Gabby will echo the sentiments, but I just feel really privileged to be kind of a part of of this profession and, and this kind of healthcare network in general. So, yeah, you know. thank you. the healthcare the healthcare network and is just the most resilient and motivated people that I've ever met in my entire life. And 
hearing the stories from these residents and doctors and nurses and everyone who are just so exhausted, but they're still pushing on and they're still providing the best care that they can for their patients. I know Judy and I were pretty upset when we were removed from the hospitals and it's totally understandable why med students aren't allowed to be in the hospitals right now, but we just honestly want to help as much as we can. And I'm sure if they yeah. tell tomorrow that we could go into the hospitals, I mean, I, you know, strap on a mask and put me in coach. like, we really just want to help out. And just, I mean, just to touch on some of our other initiatives, we have two of our members, Joe Corcoran um, and Joseph Franza, um, and they've actually reached out to a company based in Philly called Philly Plastics. And they're creating essentially these like plastic boxes that can be used by anesthesiologists to help intubate patients during this pandemic. And it basically prevents some of these aerosolized particles from being transmitted um, and can help these anesthesiologists more safely, safely ventilate these patients or intubate these patients rather. So that's another initiative we're working on. And that's another kind of area that we're, we're focusing on right now as well, in addition to the N95 masks. I'm curious, what are, when you reach out to these suppliers, what kind of response are you getting? And are you getting a good deal, basically? I mean, we've heard of price gouging for other things. And do you think that they're responsive to you and what you need and what you're doing? So I think there's a couple of things just before I answer that question that we should address. So number one, I think what a lot of people don't realize is what is happening now is not the same thing as price gouging. Obviously, there are certain companies that are doing price gouging, but a lot the demand, not only for masks, but the demand for the materials to make the masks is extremely high. And the production has been extremely ramped up. So in order to, you know, pay for the materials that are used to make the masks and in order to increase production, naturally mask prices have to be increased. Additionally, shipping has, you know, become a logistical nightmare for to get anything, in, not just in America, but uh, I mean, I'm sure like even if you've ordered anything on Amazon Prime, like nothing comes in a day anymore. It takes several days. So just getting shipping, you know, to get shipping quickly costs a lot of money. Additionally, a lot of these companies have completely revamped their manufacturing line. The previous company that we were using uh, was making socks and t-shirts and completely switched to N95 masks. So naturally that comes with a lot of increased costs. And so just wanted to touch on that. And then also number two, I think people are frustrated that masks are expensive and, you know, we're right there with you. We wish that these companies would, you know, would donate, but unfortunately, you know, the economy is failing and we also do support paying these companies because ultimately they have employees that, you know, are working for minimum wage. And if they donated all of their supply, these employees would not be getting any, any money to support themselves. We've been working a lot with the companies. We think that we're getting a fair price. And, you know, and I can say since I handle the majority of the financials that all of the companies that we've been working with are, you know, cheaper than um, several, you know, other companies that I've seen. And also we're trying to make sure that we only utilize N95s. So the difference is N95s are FDA approved um, in America and KN95s are also FDA approved, but they're the Chinese version. So unfortunately, a lot of KN95s are not created equal. Um, so our goal, even though they you know, can be as cheap as I've seen up to 35 cents a mask, and that's much cheaper than $4.50 to $5 a mask, we would prefer to keep our healthcare workers safe with you know, the top of the line uh, masks. And so that's why we're also paying you know, obviously more for the N95 masks. And tell me again, how many masks have you guys delivered and what is your goal? 
Yeah, so we've ordered about uh, 7,000 masks. Um, I believe we have, and Gabby can correct me, 13,000 masks, um, 14,000 masks coming through by the end of next week. Um, you know, our goal is really just to kind of continue fundraising and kind of helping as many people as we can getting these masks to our hospitals and then also just continuing to support the healthcare workers during this time. Yeah, I think like Judy and I and the rest of our team, we have amazing volunteers. We will not be satisfied until every single healthcare worker in America is able to have a mask that they don't have to wear for an entire day that, you know, they can wear for the appropriate two to three to four hours um, and then obtain a new mask. So I think, you know, as this, as long as coronavirus is still existing, um, we're going to just keep trying to fight and keep grow our initiative. Going to keep plugging along. Yeah. So are you just taking monetary donations at this point or are you also taking mask donations or I know you're, 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 you're collecting other equipment too, right? Yeah. So we're taking mask donations as well. And we've had some amazing donations kind of from private donors and we're taking other equipment, surgical masks, gowns, any type of uh, protective eyewear we're taking as well. So we're not limiting ourselves to monetary fundraising, even though that's the bulk of our donations. But, you know, we're really just trying to get these masks out to our healthcare workers as effectively and efficiently as possible. Um, you know, whether it be from purchasing them through our online distributor or, you know, getting them via like private donations. I can't speak for all of our volunteers, but I know myself, I've emailed over 200 companies, whether they were nail salons or tattoo parlors, you know, veterinary hospitals, anything that anyone that could possibly have gloves or masks. I have emailed exterminators, landscapers, roofers. um, And I know all of our volunteers have been doing the same for both, you know, physical donations. And then also um, they've been trying to contact companies where if they do have materials that they are not able to donate, if we're able to purchase it from them. So we've had really, really amazing success with both avenues. How many hospitals have you been able to give supplies to? And and how do you do that? How do you get the things where they need to go? So we have 25 hospitals and continuing to grow that we're currently getting supplies to. Currently, I'm in charge of distribution. So all of the supplies are actually coming directly to my home. And we have about 40 to 50 student volunteers who are coming to pick them up, distribute them to the hospital. So each of our hospitals has... Um, a designated student contact, and then either a designated physician or a designated nurse from the site. So when the student comes to pick them up from my home, they get in contact with their designated uh, contact at the hospital, and they drop them directly off to that physician or to that nurse or to that paramedic or home health aide. And we're still doing, Judy, do you want to talk a little bit about the social distancing that you're doing as well? With the- Of course. Yeah. So I am fortunate enough to have a pretty big porch So what we've been doing is um, texting our volunteers when they arrive, or or rather our volunteer will will text us when they arrive. Um, And what I'll do is I'll put the supplies on my porch so that they can safely pick them up. And we're not violating the social distancing rule that's in effect by the CDC. And then when our volunteers do drop out of the hospitals, they're making sure that they're adhering to social distancing as well and kind of um, dropping them off at either designated locations or um, kind of maintaining that that six feet distancing with our uh, with our suppliers as well, and or with our hospitals rather as well. We've also been in contact with one of the women in charge of the Philadelphia Department of Health, and this uh, she's also a contact for the CDC. And we've been also been able to supply them PPE. Um, so we're really just trying to make a collaborative effort, you know, trying not to exclude anyone. 
Right. And we're so uh, cognizant and thankful for the work that the CDC and the city of Philadelphia is doing to kind of help fight this pandemic. So we really wanted to make sure we were collaborating with them, keeping them informed every step of the way, um, letting them know which hospitals we are donating to, listening to them um, if they have a certain need to making sure that that we're uh, cognizant of of what they need as well. Um, So I think that collaboration with the CDC has really been kind of instrumental in making sure that we're getting some of these supplies out to the the correct hospitals um, and that we're distributing our products and our N95s equitably. And we're really just trying to supplement the the efforts of the local government. And we're just so fortunate to be able to do so and to have such an amazing team of medical students and nursing students kind of behind us to help us accomplish that during this very difficult time. Um, You know, as Gabby mentioned, we're very lucky that you know, we have the time right now to do this. Um, I mean, we do have our online rotations, but we definitely have more time than our healthcare workers who are working 12, 14 hour shifts to combat this pandemic. And, you know, just to be able to step in and help them. Again, we hope that in 10 to 15 years, medical students uh, will, if this happened 10 to 15 years now, we would hope that medical students would do the same for us. So they could look up your play, playbook. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we won't, they won't need to. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. What are you guys hearing from healthcare workers in the field? Um, so we've gotten, and we've posted a lot of it on our website as well. Uh, we've gotten a really positive response. Uh, one of my really good friends is a resident, and she said that when she brought in the masks for her team, they one of the other residents just started crying, which is, you know, it's really sad, but like also heartwarming to hear. I mean, we've heard, I can't even express how many doctors have found our emails through either social media or through our GoFundMe campaign and have uh, emailed us directly and, you know, thanked us for, for helping. And, um, you know, we've, we've gotten amazing response from both healthcare workers and then even people outside of Philadelphia who are healthcare workers who just, you know, are appreciative of our initiative. Um, we've also been able to, we've had pretty awesome success with you know, our social media campaign, and we've been able to help other medical students try and start these fundraisers in their own respective states. So we've been helping Georgia, as PCOM also has a campus in Georgia. We've been discussing with Maine, um, another, a couple other schools in Florida. Another PCOM student is going to start a similar initiative in Pittsburgh. So we've had, we're just trying to spread, you know, spread the, the wealth and spread the knowledge so that it's not just Philadelphia that's covered. It's everyone in the nation that's been able to be covered. If people want to help, how can they do that? Where should they go? So um, we actually have a website, Medical Students for Masks. Um, we also have an Instagram and a GoFundMe. Um, so through either one of those avenues, they can um, you know learn more about our initiative um, and they can donate to us there. Yeah, well. and they can reach out to us directly. Our uh, emails are listed there because we're always looking for physical donations as well of PPE. So if anybody out there has N95 masks, surgical masks, gloves, gowns, Tyvek suits, shoe covers, anything that you think would be helpful, we will take it and we will distribute it equitably among all of the hospitals in Philadelphia. And also the county hospitals too. So like even Montgomery County, we're working with Chester County, um, Fox County, a lot of those hospitals as well. Thank you both for joining us. We really appreciate it. And thank you for the good work you're doing right now. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Good luck, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic, or if you just want to know more than what you're hearing on the news right now, if you want to go a little deeper, if you want to know 
how this could change your life or your routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Carol McKenzie, and we'll have another episode out soon.